Join us as we unpack emerging trends and changes in digital transformation with the executives, entrepreneurs, and investors responsible for shaping the future of their industries. In these interviews, you can expect to hear candid conversations about the future of technology and the role it plays at some of the largest organizations in the world. Our hosts are members of the Kunai team, an agency that has been building software products for over 20 years. Today, your host will be Tom Baldwin. Hello and welcome to the Kanai Podcast. Today I'm speaking with M. Pakti, Director of UX and Product Design at Vitech Systems. Welcome, M. Hi, Tom. Awesome to have you here. So uh, M has led UX design for some of the financial industry's leading products, including JP Morgan Asset Management and BlackRock's Aladdin multi-asset class trading platform. Today, M leads the Vitech Systems industry-leading InsureTech solution for cloud-native administration, engagement, and analytics. M, let's start with your backstory and how you came into your current position. Okay, sure, Tom. Well, we're gonna have to like take a step back all the way to 1997, <laughs> many moons ago, shall we say? Um, let's see, I, I basically started out, believe it or not, as a DJ. I actually um, was heavily into music, you know, dance music of different um, genre, um, from heavy metal, punk rock, new wave, um, house music, hip hop, you name it, right? Um, so basically what started out as a DJ, doing like a whole bunch of rave things, you know, this is like down like Florida and also in Washington, D.C., um, I got into the idea of doing a business, um, you know, coming up with a record label, like an independent dance label, music label, with my older brother, uh, DJ Wu Pakdi. Uh, and we formed a label called Step Ahead Records. That was back in um, 1994, to be exact. Um, and by 1997, that was when we started thinking that, you know what, how are we going to market our, you know, vinyls? clothing, gears, CDs, things like that to our, you know, to our consumers rather than just within like, you know, the nightclubs or bars or lounge. So, um, you know, my brothers came to me like, hey, man, I think we need a better way to sell our products. So we're thinking, <laughs> you know, back then, what can we do? Uh, okay, let's, let's be on e-commerce site. Okay. So that's, that's really how it all started. Um, you know, the thing is like, I've never done that before. Never had the background. I actually study, um, you know, started out with like chemical engineering, um, and then branched into, um, you know, uh, marketing management, minor in computer science. But um, I sort of like self-taught and learn things on the fly and try to design and build this e-commerce site to basically sell my products, my music online. Okay, um, awesome. So it, you know. Luckily enough, it turned out well. Of course, there's like a whole bunch of like trials and errors, more errors, <laughs> more errors along the way early on. You know, and back then it was like, you know, using old school tools, you know, like Cold Fusion, ASP, Marco Medias. I'm sure, you know, in the digital consulting, you guys might have been through that kind of tool set before in the past. Um, so it was just that. It was just more like self-taught and kept, you know, learning relearning and, you know, laying on top of the skill sets that I learned throughout the years uh, in order to build products and platform. Okay. 
So with that being said, you know, since some other DJs in the in the circle start noticing that and they were like lining up, hey, M, um, do you think you can build an e-commerce site for my, uh, you know, my, 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 let's say my nightclub or like my, um, you know, as an artist for my album as well. So I did that. And also it branched out into like, well, okay, I can design your CD covers. I can design your, you know, your vinyl cover as well. So a lot of it, again, it's like, you know, sometimes you, you might want to say like, you know, you fake it until you make it. Um, I was that in a nutshell, but I, you know, sort of like have to build that credibility and trust first. And these folks, you know, they were nice enough to give me a chance, you know, to go through my trials and errors. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, that helped me hone my skills to like communicate and negotiate with uh, folks of different like personality traits, right? You know? Um, so that's been, that's been how it, it was for me to get into the, the digital product design and development. Um, I might be different than a lot of the, you know, UX or product design out there in the sense that I actually used to be a UI engineer in the past, again, self-taught through uh-huh. like my early days back in the late nineties. Um, so, you know, with that being said, then, you know, it's just a matter of like being referred and then I end up getting jobs in the corporate world. Um, and being introduced to like some of the executive. So I end up getting like a chance to like, you know, design products for them. Um, my background in, you know, doing the implementation part, the UI engineering helped me gain, how you say, credibility again, um, you know, and trust from the tech stack folks, right? With all the projects and the clients team that I have worked with. Um, you know, and you mentioned a, a, a couple of my former clients, like JP Morgan being one of them. Um, you know, I also have done stuff that's not just in a fintech, you know, um, but, um, but the variety of clients and also being involved in like the you know, consumer tech, bringing that sensibility into the enterprise tech, which then, you know, fintech is pretty much enterprise tech, um, yes. had helped me over the years to gain, you know, that kind of like, Trust again, you know, it's it's all all about trust and credibility. How do you get that? Here's a pro tip number one: is really be humble, right? And like really listen to your clients or the you know the stakeholder that you work with. Um, put yourself in their shoes. A lot of you know designer would use the word empathy. Definitely have that, right? Um, at the end of the day, how are you gonna make that life easier as well? Not just for the end user, you think about in terms of like user experience design, you know, we have to be the champion for the end users, but your stakeholders, the product managers, the engineer folks, they are also your peers and also your clients in a sense, right? You know, <clears throat> so I hope that that answered your question, how I got here. Uh, well, and then, you know, I guess I, I like to share this also um, because <laughs> this is some of the term that I've been, kind of like call or referred to by my clients, jokingly perhaps, but I can't, it's kind of stick with me for a while there. So um, up until just a couple of years or so ago, I was pretty much um, proud to be uh, referring to myself as UX mercenary, <laughs> in a sense, like a Ronin, if you will, right? And, and this kind of like, you know, this alias came about uh, one of my clients in the FinTech actually at Citigroup, as a matter of fact, um, you know, refer to me like M, man, you're like a, you're like that Mr. Wolf guy in the, the Pulp Fiction. You know, you come in, like you clean up the shit. 
and then uh, you leave your process and and we're now using it um you know so i i hear that a lot uh, from a, a few different um clients you know the executive um <clears throat> and i i <laughs> i took that kind of mentality with me and i feel good about it for a while they're like hey uh, you know i might not be like the internal let's say um you know like a employee of this organization but somehow you know the executive they refer me among themselves right different companies and i get pulled in to do the projects for them like whether it be like designing net new or come in and do like a redesign more on a tactical practical approach you know incremental um, in, improvement um mm-hmm. so that's been one of the thing i feel really good about but then you know a couple of years uh a couple of years ago i decided you know what i'm not getting any younger now <laughs> perhaps it might be time that i might find myself a more permanent home if you will you know an organization that um are willing to um embrace um uh, you know ux or at least willing to have a mindset change within the organization to um adopt and kind of like incorporate proper product design into it you know mm-hmm. so luckily enough like blackrock being one of them and then now at vitech um yes i've been in a fintech kind of arena for a while insurtech is something that i have really branched into maybe like you know one or two clients in the past like metlife and prudential um okay. i did some design work for them um yeah. but this is more like um you know the administrative side of the insurance of retirement platform so i thought maybe it might be my chance to come in and help disrupt that industry a little bit you know you can say insurtech it's still probably you know kind of like related to um, fintech in a sense so hopefully this conversation still oh, makes sense absolutely <laughs> as andreessen horowitz uh, uh, famously said um everyone will be a fintech so paraphrasing there you go yeah uh, if you if you think about the the fact that uh, financial products and components are a part of every consumer good purchase through to every insurance purchase at the end right. of the day um that financial component is critical i think uh you bringing somebody through that customer journey that that starts with an understanding of maybe something pretty complex and taking them through that transaction on the back end um is uh is incredibly valuable um tell tell me a little bit uh, about uh your process and and you talked about uh being humble being a good listener creating empathy with your customer as well as empathy with the people that you work with to help drive alignment and change um take me take me through that process a little bit more okay well yeah my pro- my process in a nutshell and i'm sure you know like folks um in the industry like other designers out there might refer to it like say it's lean ux some you know might have their own thing called like you know the design sprint methodologies right um i'm sort of like a hybrid of the two but then i at the end of the day here's another thing that i like to say pro tip <laughs> you know when i meet when they do the kick off of any projects with a product team whether it be like if i'm part of let's say you know digital agencies or whether it be with the product team in house as an in house design team right 
I would go in and say with a stakeholder when we do a kickoff, guys, let's swim in the same shit in this fish tank together. Okay. You know, I'm not here to be a design hero. We are going to design this, you know, together. Right. I want mm-hmm. your input, Mr. Engineers. I want your input, Mr. Product Owner, Mr. Product, um, you know, managers. You, Miss um, Subject Matter Expert, you're going to be in here swimming in the same shit with me. Okay. You know, so don't expect that you're going to just sit there and then you're just going to, or, or like, you know, maybe come up and just write word. No, you're actually going to design something with me. Uh, we're going to help, you know, go through and define the problems area, whether it deserve, you know, warrant like, um, you know, redesign, uh, net new features or like, you know, something need to be changed to improve the current experience. You gonna swim in this shit pile with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, a lot of times they think I'm joking, but I actually meant it. <laughs> you know well, I mean? um, uh, so but you, you you take something that's not clear and uh, and not defined and to bring simplicity and clarity to it is a can be a challenging thing. And uh and I think well described. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I can break down the different stages in my process, typical process that I use. Um, I've been honing it over the years, you know, like different, different organization, of course, would require, you know, a little bit of tweaks here and there, right? You know, they like be able to incorporate this design process into their existing state, agile development framework, or even their timeline, things like that. Or even like, you know, how, how ready is the organization to adopt or incorporate proper design process into the organization, right? For example, yeah. like, you know, if the organization has been very um, engineering-centric driven um, versus a like, user-centric driven, so there mm-hmm. might be a lot of mindset change and a little bit of like, you know, trying to push things up the hill moments um, along the journey, right? You know, meaning like the UX maturity in that organization is still very low. Um, but, you know, having said that, how do you get these folks who, you know, slowly and organically change their mind and be willing to change? It's a process, yes. But it's a matter of like showing them how we can execute as a team. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really one of my pro, another pro tip. Um, and back to being humble, back to being like able to empathize with them. How, to, how do I make my engineering partners like a little easier, you know, today or this week? How do I help uh, groom, like, you know, my product managers, you know, to actually leverage them almost to be like my UX resources, right? Get Mm -hmm. them in the process, demarketize it, you know what I mean? Um, So, but I can tell you, like, you know, in a nutshell, that's the first thing most designers would say, right? Would be like, you know, get folks in and do like, you know, trying to define and and, um, make sure that you know what the problem area, the focus area is to solve, first of all, right? Yes. You need to know who you're solving that for, you know, so hopefully that's already, you know, some kind of like market value fit that our PM partners already been doing that. You know, we can, UX can get involved and help guide the process. Um, but in the end, you have to like sort of like have that um, kind of mutual respect for the other disciplines in order to, to like collaborate and participate in a kind of like you know, um, <laughs> in a really, you know, friendly way. And um, sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, so, so how do you, 
end up sharing a design feature and then going through that iteration? How has that changed over time? I would imagine it's changed significantly. Yeah. Um, well, you know, basically when you come up with, like I say, when we go in and do like a do that swim in the same shit, I basically task and challenge these uh, folks, you know, to doodle. Don't be afraid. Don't just write word on sticky note and put it on the wall and call yourself, you know, being um, creative, right? Actually draw something, put some pen and paper work best. Please do that. I'm not going to judge you on how pretty or how ugly it looks. You know, it's just like, give me your train of thought, right? Storyboard it for me, you know, the sequence. So we get that into a really good place to the point that now, for example, at Vitek and also at BlackRock, for example, you know, at BlackRock, let's, let's go back to BlackRock for a second as an example. I would get actual traders, right? Actual traders to come in and start sketching. Here's how I would improve because I don't like my current, you know, experience that I have to deal with this platform, right? So this is how I think would work. Uh, well, you know, we have not just internal traders. We also have external traders from, say, you know, Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley to also participate because they actually were the one, the clients of BlackRock using this trading you know, platform. Um, so we get like different, you know, ideas that diverge, but like me being the facilitator, of course, you know, I have to play like, okay, here's your idea. And we introduce a concept of like, you know, just have people vote in silent, <clears throat> vote in silent. And we, because, you know, we're using like, remote tools because again my trader might be in singapore might be in san francisco london right and new york um, external traders same thing though so we get this folk in what i like to call them the uh, the lighthouse group lighthouse user group um, nice. they're on a rotating basis okay you know then they volunteer and a lot of time it's like word of mouth they spread out like fire like oh man you know like th that m guy he's he's um he's trying to do something to like make our life easier so that we don't have to use this crappy, um, you know, platform. So um, let's go and like, I'm going to volunteer you this month, go and do this kind of like this workflow with him, you know, next month, it might be myself, you know, right. Yeah. Go and work on a different set, a different workflow. So that's storyboard. And that's how we do it. Um, same thing right now. I'm trying to do the same thing, uh, same kind of process with Bytech. <clears throat> Um, again, slightly different because they don't get insurance, they don't get retirements. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still about humans, it's still about the stakeholders, you know, role playing as their end users, right? And the yeah. funny thing from both organizations, strangely enough, is that they, they have like sort of like a user provider model. When I say trader in BlackRock, the trader use BlackRock's Aladdin trading platform, right? Yeah. Same thing, yeah. Vitech, internal, um, user. Mostly the, the client implementation team folks who work closely with, say, the end client like Prudential or, you know, uh, MetLife or if it's a retirement firm like, um, you know, um, Lincoln Financial Group, for example. Um, yeah. They actually use this platform to put together this administrative, you know, product for their client of MetLife or, or Prudential, right? Very so. Cool. <clears throat> So in a nutshell, it's a lot of like, you know, sketching exercise, do the Zen voting in silent. I typically give them like 24 hours. You can vote. The whole point of doing that, Tom, is really to help reduce or avoid alpha character, alpha effect, right? 
you know, someone say uh-huh. in the power that be commanding the whole thinking, the whole, you know, or influencing the decisions. Yeah. It's going to help, like, you know, avoid that or at least reduce as much as possible. So one of the things that uh, that a few people I work with have noticed is that whole notion of uh, alpha uh, individual um, has heightened a bit in the, the Zoom world mm-hmm. uh, because you're not in a room, you don't get to read faces as much, especially if you're the presenter and you don't get to see everyone's screen. Um, do you find that? How, how are you managing that in your day-to-day? Um, again, <clears throat> yeah, we do have to deal with that occasionally, you know, off and on, especially like, you know, a lot of time with the so-called lifers. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? So again, it's about like, you know, organically changing people mindset. Um, and hopefully that's spread out within the organization. Right. Um, yeah. having them involved, um, and see the votes results, see what people actually, you know, like randomly, like you can see it because you have the metric, you have the data. Okay. Here's a proof, you know, or when we do user testing, for example, right. We have proof. You know, yeah. we have proof yeah. to show that whatever feature that you think that they would need, actually they didn't need it, right? So it's just like, we can avoid that whole feature-nitis thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. feature-nitis. Do you, do you perform the user feedback sessions? Do you find that they're best done individually or in groups? Individually, in my opinion, individually, because people then don't feel like, you know, you know, the whole thing about group thing, being influenced by others. And again, it's in order to avoid this kind of like alpha effects uh, or being like mindful, like, oh, you know, if I say something that might uh, make someone feel like bad about their, you know, direction or like, you know, right? Yeah. Especially, so meaning like, so meaning like the, the rank and file folks, you know, um, people at the um, individual contributors um, level can still participate and have their voice being heard freely without having that sense of like, oh, I have to like watch how I vote even, right? If we do it in a group, uh, if we do it individually, randomly, anonymous, not even have name, but yeah. when you tally the vote, you can see it. So go with that. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I mean? Um, Having said that, you know, there's still certain human bias. I mean, we are human, so there's still human bias. And that's why a lot of time I, um, I, I tend to not want to be the one conducting, say, for example, even like the, the, uh, the, the usability testing myself. So you talked about a lighthouse user group, and I love that term, lighthouse. It, uh uh, so often you hear a lot of people talk about North Stars, which mm-hmm. to me is like a company's mission statement. It is so high level. It's really hard to, to typically grasp in and around where a lighthouse um, has a certain effect. It's a boat coming in. There's risk. You're either uh, going to hit shore or you're going to find your landing. And, yes. Um, and so often that is uh, the way of the project 
to manage and navigate feedback. And so much of what you've shared has been feedback related. So whether it's getting individual feedback, feedback through the process, feedback from your UI engineers that uh, mm-hmm. um, you work with. It's, uh, it's, it's impressive. Um, so, so help me understand, um, as you bring a product to market, the, the customer feedback that, that you receive and how you begin to, to, to change, um, based on that feedback, um, if you would. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the time when I did that trading solution for BlackRock, for example, right? You know, the so-called Lighthouse user group uh, make a lot of sense there. Uh, In a nutshell, it also lead to having those folks being engaged and the external one in particular uh, being even more of, uh, say, early adopters of the solution or the product that we're coming up with because we already tried and tested with you. You actually have a say-so in this product and the experience of it how it's going to be used by you, Mr. End user, Mr. Consumers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that direct feedback, that involvement in the design process is so valuable, Tom. Um, and same goes with the, the current um, product teams that I work with now at Vitech, right? We, uh, we engage, you know, like um, the, the end users from the client's team. We have like our client implementation team folks um, that would say go to their client, let's say Prudential or MedLife or, you know, Securing or LFG. Um, um, would you, you know, spare like maybe um, five of your, you know, like team members um, that are using our product every day? You know, what do you like? What do you hate about it? You know, we want you to come in and just be totally honest. Like, you know, like, and um, would you mind coming in and like, you know, if we share with you some of our new ideas of how we can solve that pain point, that, that you know, that problem that you've been complaining about, <laughs> you know, so that the next version, when we evolve our products, it will address your, your, your problems. You know what I mean? It will solve it. So um, the feedback to me is like, oh man, it's like gold, right? Um, but yeah. having that relationship being uh, made also help kind of like, um, again, back to that credibility, you know, create that trust and credibility and they want to engage, be engaged. They want to have a say-so in the product they're going to they're gonna be using every day. So, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I encourage my, all my teams, you know, whether it be like, you know, my designers themselves and also the product managers within the company and also the, the engineer. But most importantly, those that are like in the front line, those client implementation team folks that sit at the client's office to really help. I sort of like utilize them almost like as my recruiters. Do you know what I mean? I have yeah. them recruit this so-called, you know, lighthouse user group members. You know, a lot of time we don't even have anything to give them. Just coming and be involved. You know, I'm not talking about kickbacks or anything like that. But like, yeah. you know, just hey, you know, if you come and do this, we know you know that you're 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 you know you're gonna have a nice time using our products, okay? And you're gonna be our early adopter. You're gonna help us spread the words to your team members, the people that work under you. Um, you know that um, 
and yeah. maybe your client, your end client as well, that you know our product is super bonehead easy to use, right? Even you can use it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Things like that. So hopefully that answers your your question. Uh, absolutely. So uh, um, part of it is is absolutely ease of use, but what you've identified as well as the need to be constantly improving. So continuous improvement, continuous development. Um, one of the 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 top three failures of applications, um, and this is going back probably 20 years ago in my career, one of the the, the top three things that uh, that uh, why why users revolted against an environment was because their feedback wasn't being heard and changes weren't happening quickly enough on the the system. So to to hear that that's a fundamental part of of your process is uh, is wonderful to hear. Yeah, I actually mandated that. I mean, you know, before I joined, um, I don't think that was part of the equation, part of the activities at all. But now we do that. Like, you know, before we say finalize the design decisions, um, we we pretty much mandate that uh, it has to be validated with, uh, you know, end users, you know, at least um, or at least the client implementation team folks to act as a proxy end users, if that makes sense, because they work directly with the that the client's team. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, can you tell me a little bit about maybe some trends you're seeing in design and user experience, um, some things that, uh, that, that you're beginning to leverage? Anything new and interesting out there? You know, that's um, what I've seen lately is uh, this whole glass um, kind of like, you know, experience, something that looks like like you're using it on glass. Um, we haven't dabbled into that much, you know, right now, because over here, we, we're still um, using pretty much, the, you know, as a principle, you know, material design um, as a principle. We have our own, of course, design language, design system that we have you know, been curating. Um, you know, and then the, it all depends on the framework that the engineering, our engineering partner within the firm have chosen to use. Here they're using React. So having said that, you know, I'm still going to use like, you know, material design as a principle, uh, but not like stick to it like religion, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, React being the frame for front end uh, presentation layers framework. So, in order to make the life of my engineering partner a little easier to implement, I want to make sure that the design is geared so that they can implement it, right? But having said that, it's a, it's a balance because, um, you know, at times we need to deviate from, from, say, what React framework has out of the box, um, you know? So, but yeah. because we, we still need to be the champion for our end users. Um, so it's a matter of, like, negotiating with our engineering partner and also the product manager's team. Yeah, absolutely. The the pros and cons of native versus a responsive web capability. Yeah, it, it's been helpful over the years. I, I used to say this a lot of time. Like, yeah, you know, most of the project, if not all of them, you know, that I've been through throughout my career, it's like, you know, uh, 
99.99% of the time, I can get the buy-in, early buy-in from the tech stack folks. Because why? Because I, I tend to design as if I'm going to implement them myself. Okay? So I always want to make sure that, you know, that it is technically feasible. It's not fantasy UI, right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, <clears throat> Um, some of the other trends that I've seen, um, you know, nowadays, I, I can probably speak more in the term of like, you know, how you said people now using different kind of tools out there, right? You know, um, because of COVID-19, you know, everyone's remote. So how do I still do this um, kind of like a facilitation, design, exploration, co-creation um, activities while remote, right? So mm-hmm. there's tools, of course, there are tools out there and tools are getting better you know, um, I don't know if you want me to name some of the na- some of the tools Please. I use. Please. Okay, so you know, here we uh, pretty much uh, use say Envision um, mm-hmm. for you know prototyping um, in order to do, do like our user testing, validating our concept, things like that. We also use the board, sort of like a mood board, if you will. That's where we, you know, sort of like use that as part marketing piece, part to like communicate with the you know the power that be within the organization. Um, and also to organize our design artifact, our UX artifact into different stages, you know, from like, you know, empathize, define, right? To like the lower level uh, conceptual designs. So that's why we have like our, you know, ideation, sketchboarding, all the raw sketches get put in there and then mm-hmm. the vote results, right? You know what I mean? Even <laughs> um, that I mentioned earlier. Um, and then we have <clears throat> going to after the, the lo-fi, you know, lo- low-level conceptual design, you go into like high-fidelity design, detail design after you've done a series of user testing, usability testing to validate the concept, right? Yeah. So we can, if we need to pivot, do we need to tweak, then we do that during that second stage. Once we have it in, uh, you know, higher fidelity, then we do another round of user testing, Um you know, again, leveraging those use lighthouse user group folks, you know what I mean? Um, so they become sort of like get like ingrained, like, oh, this is a process. I'm going to be involved in all of this. And that's how I keep them engaged, you know, never boring, <laughs> you know. And then um, so, you know, once we get to that, you know, the engineer been through, been, been involved from day one, right? Just to make sure that we're not going too crazy with our design concepts, right? Make sure that they can implement this. Um, so by the time it's get to like you know handoff, boom, you have all the spec. We also provide. Here's another thing we do here, um, and I've been doing this for clients before. Again, because of my own pain point when I you know do, used to be the one doing UI engineering, I need specs. I need specs. I need to know. You know, my engineering partner need to know what the intended you know user interaction behavior would be. When say, you know, you click on that call to action button or when you click on that link or, you know what I mean? Things like that. What should the error message say? All of these things, um, we specced it out. We provided along with our design specs, you know what I mean? The visual design specs. We also provide the, the interaction, um, design, um, behaviors, the intended one to our engineering partner as well. So that there's no like, Absolutely. What should that you need should to consider do. both the unhappy path as well as yes. the happy path? Correct. Correct. 
Yeah, no guessing. I, I mean, I, that, that was my own problem before when I was like, you know, like leading the UI engineering team. Like, you know, you might get like design from a graphic designer, like visual designer back then in the past called graphic designer, right? And it's like, it looks all nice, but like, what is your intention? You know what I mean? A lot of time an engineer don't, shouldn't have to like guess. They shouldn't have to guess. If you want them to come out exactly aligned with your design intention, yes, you need to spec it up. Um, yep. So that's another pro tip I, I like to share with my fellow designers out there. Awesome. And all of this is in keeping with moving those designs and concepts to product. And thank you so yes. much for a, an insightful discussion. Um, uh, you do have uh, have had an incredible background. Um, uh, I loved when we first met and you uh, were in front of some of your DJ equipment. Uh, I was actually hoping to see <laughs> some of that today. Um, uh, it uh, it certainly was a, a great discussion, and I uh, like I said, I appreciate how humble you are, how empathetic you are. It shows in the way uh, that you've communicated today, and um, and that you do uh, intend to make life a little bit easier, getting a beautiful product to market, and by beautiful something that is used. So. Um, thanks once more and have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks, Tom. It, it's been awesome speaking with you today and sharing a little bit of my war stories. You know, uh, hopefully that, um, you know, was valuable and hopefully uh, it gives somebody some insight, you know, through like some of the pro tips I shared of my own trials and errors over the years, you know, um, Again, music is my life. So that's really like what got me started. Might relate, uh, might resonate with some fellow designers, you know, or someone that want to get into the industry um, in the future or now. So be it. Um, hopefully, um, you know, I was being helpful to the community somehow. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much. This is terrific. Yep. Have a great day. Awesome. Bye, Tom. Bye.